We want to talk about steadfastness. What steadfastness are we referring to? Well, uh, we'd refer for our message this morning spiritual strength. I'm not talking about human fortitude. I'm not talking about the ability to grit it out and to hang tough and hang in there and all that business. We're talking about spiritual strength. And for the Christian, this is a necessary part of the Christian life, to have spiritual strength. This world is not a friend to the Christians. Can we say that? This, and you add to that the, the devil and his work to, to thwart the work of God in the Christian uh, it's a recipe for disaster, sure disaster. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, the rest of the writers of the New Testament, uh, give us a, a focus on spiritual strength. And the reason they do that is because uh, they want us to see the end of the matter, the end of the matter. Uh, our responsive reading, I, won't, I don't want you to go back there, but remember the context of that. When this perishable puts on the imperishable, when this mortal puts on immortality, when death is swallowed up in victory, talking about the end of our life, when this happens, you realize the fullness of your salvation. But until then, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? We need that spiritual strength to survive this world's system. So steadfastness, in some of your Bibles it could be translated to be firm, to be secure, to be fixed, anchored. It's a purpose of heart, really. It's to be unshakable. It's stability. Uh, it's not stability in my own strength, but in the Word of God and the God of the Word. He wants us to have stability in Him. So remember, we will talk about spiritual strength all the way through this, not your, your gut determination. One thing I want us to recognize is some might call this, well, it's my conviction. It's not a conviction. A conviction is something you hold. We're talking about something that holds you. It's something that holds you firm. You can hold convictions for only a certain amount of time. Uh, I swear I will never have... Another piece of chocolate cream pie. <laughs> well, I'm doing all right so far. But I could fail at any moment. Why? Because if I do it in my own strength, I'm going to have a weak time. So we're not talking about conviction. We're talking about something, you hold, something that holds you firm. And that's only the Spirit of God through the Word of God. He's the only one that can hold you firm. You can't hold yourself firm. Do you ever say to yourself, I'll never do that again? And before the words are out of your mouth, you're thinking about doing it at least. See, we, we fail because we try to have strength in our human effort, and it just won't do it. It won't do it for any of us. So we want to look at a fixed biblical strength, and you know right away, I'm sure. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. It's the first passage we need to look at when we talk about spiritual strength. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're talking about spiritual strength in the Lord. <clears throat> it's by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, by God's strength. He's strengthening my inner man to walk with him, to handle the diversities of life every day. Ephesians chapter 6, you're so familiar with this, verse 10. 
Finally, my brethren, putting the sum all together, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle going on. It's the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You say, that person hurt my feelings. That person did this to me. I'll never be the same. No, you'll never be the same because you were looking at that person. You'll never be the same. Every time you look at them, you'll always fall into that category. But if you're strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, you'll recognize, wait a minute, this is more than a human conflict. This is a demonic conflict. This is a demonic problem. And I need to stand strong in the Lord. If I put on the armor of God, I'm not fighting against people. It's a fight against Satan and his work. So I need to stand strong. And then skip all the way down, please, to verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So spiritual strength can only come through putting on the whole arm of God. And may I say this, it's not something physical you put on. You can't put on this really nice shirt and that will do it from Duluth Trading Post. That's not going to do it. It's, it's a spiritual wisdom and can only come through the word of God. If you don't read God's word, if you're not uh, immersed in God's word, no wonder you're having the problems you are. If you skip God's word, you're going to have problems. And you know what's interesting is the devil's watching, and most interesting is the Lord's going to see to it. The Lord's going to see to it. Why? Because he wants us immersed in his word. He wants the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. And so you can skip everything else throughout the day, but don't skip God's word. Make sure you're immersed in God's word. So we want to compare now a few scripture passages. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. God warns us, the Christian, about spiritual strength and needing that spiritual strength before him so that we can fight against the wiles of the devil. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 6, please. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What's he referring to here? Well, if you look in verse 5, recognizing that God does not want us lifted up with pride, but humbling ourselves before him, recognizing in me, that is in my flesh, there's no strength and there's no good thing happening. Yes, I can hold out for a little while, but before too long, I'm going to fail. Why? Because there's not much strength. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we need to recognize that our flesh is not always the strongest. Some people can hold off longer than others, but eventually we'll all fall. So humble yourselves before God. Recognize who can give you the strength. Humble yourselves, therefore, verse 6, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. It's not your power, it's God's power. In order to be able to resist the devil and the wiles of the devil, we need God's power. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. 
So everyone, all of us as believers are going to face similar things. Not the same exactly, but similar things. Different uh, attacks in different areas due to our different weaknesses, perhaps. But we're all going to face adversity from the devil. He's the enemy of the Christian. And so as we do that, what do we need to do? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Say, well, this is what my flesh wants to do. This is what my family wants me to do. This is what this person wants me to do. My boss wants me to do. Whatever it is. And I have to say, yeah, but that's not what the Lord wants me to do. And that takes courage. It takes strength. It takes courage to say to the one you love, I'm sorry, we cannot do that. We cannot go there. We will not go there. We cannot participate in that. We will not be a part of that. It's hard to do that with your children. Because they're being drawn by the world too. And you want your children to be happy. Happy kids are quiet kids. You know, that type of thing. You want everyone to be happy, you see. But that's not always what you need to do. Sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry, we cannot do that. We will not do that. And that takes spiritual strength. Because you know the adversity you're going to face. And so as we look at the scriptures, recognize, how can I stand steadfast in the faith? And if you can show your mate, your children, whoever it is round about you, listen, this is why I can't do this, this is why I won't do this, this is why I can only do this, because God says. And here's what he says. And that's the rock that we stand on. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else. So we want to look at a couple passages. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, go with me to Hebrews chapter 4, and then we'll get back to Ephesians for a moment. Hebrews chapter 4. The book of Hebrews in chapter 4, a beautiful passage in Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 16 for a moment, please. Hebrews chapter 4. And in uh, verses 16, and that is the wrong section. Well, forget Hebrews. Head with me to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Pastor Rob would have done that perfectly. <laughs> e- Ephesians chapter 3. Look with me, please, at verse 16. <clears throat> see, the strength that I need, again, is his strength. And we see that in verse uh, 16. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. Why? They're in, they're in a great deal of turmoil. If you look back in the book of Acts, you'll see that there was a great deal of trouble going on in Ephesus. But Paul's praying for these people, and he says in verse 16, that he would grant unto, unto you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Again, it's spiritual strength. It's not physical strength. It's spiritual strength that does it. I read something by A.W. Tozer. He said, a holy man of God is not one who cannot sin. A holy man of God is not one who cannot sin, but one that will not sin. That's a holy man of God. Not a man that cannot sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it's a man who will not sin. That's where the spiritual strength comes in. So we need this fixed biblical strength. Can I say this with all respect? And, and I hear all kinds of people say this. I'm not pointing out to anyone. When you say something like, how are you doing? Someone asks you and you say, I'm hanging in there. That doesn't sound like spiritual strength, does it? You're hanging in there? 
No, no. Listen, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm living according to his will. I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, his work to serve him. When we tell the world that we're hanging in there, they, we're no different than they are. You're not hanging in there. You're in Christ. You're fixed. You're solid. Act it. Live it. Show it. Exhibit it. Rather than telling people you're hanging in there. Now, I know it's a vernacular thing. We all use it at times. And, but I'm cutting it out of my life. Why? It doesn't sound like you're, you're a, a mature Christian when you say that. Recognize that I have spiritual strength. I'm not always acting it, for sure. But I need to. I certainly need to. Okay, so the strength that um, God gives us is for us to remain steadfast unto the end, right to the end of our life. It's not just for today, although I need it for today, but it's to fix my mind right unto the end of my life. I told the guys in the room there, I'm a butterfly changing back into a caterpillar for some reason. I don't understand it. Different stages of life, you see. We go through different times when you have different strengths and different problems and you're a younger man with no wife, and then you say, well, i got to get one, and you get one, and praise the Lord for that, and it's wonderful. And then you get one, and then you, you say, oh, boy, this isn't as easy as I thought. And then you get kids, and then you multiply all this business. And as you're going through life, the different life changes. And if you think you're thinking that, what do you think she's thinking about you, you know? And, and, and what marriage is, oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but recognize that you've put two sinners in a household. And it's going to be a struggle. It's not eternal bliss, is it? Two adults in a household and one of them's a woman. It's trouble. <laughs> I'm going to close in prayer and go out that door. <laughs> you, you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm jesting, obviously. But you go through certain times of life and things are different. Things are always different. They're always changing. It's a, it's a life in flux. Well, God says, my word will keep you firm from this part of life to this part of life. And that's what God wants from us, to continue through in spiritual strength. Not to go with the whims of life. And the whims of life are fleeting, obviously. So we want to look at a couple of passages, please. Head with me to the 62nd Psalm. The 62nd Psalm. The 62nd Psalm. As life takes its ebbs and flows, it can be, it can be difficult on us in that uh, we, emotionally we get tied up with the things of this life. Emotionally we get tied up with our, our families, our children, our jobs, our circumstances, our churches. But God wants us to make sure that we're always setting our mind upon him in those circumstances. In the 62nd Psalm, look, at me, look with me, please, at verses 1 and true. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. You see that? David recognized it. And if you look back on David's life, it was no different than us. It was no different than us, spiritually speaking. The ebbs and flows of David sinned against the Lord, and it was great payment for that. Physical and mental turmoil that went with a lot of that. Family problems that went with a lot of his giving over to the lusts of his flesh. 
We're all, all of us are subject to these things. But David wanted us to know at the end of it all is the rock, the rock. I need to lean upon the rock. Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19. I want to make sure that I am spiritually secure and firm in him. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Look at verses 1 through 4, please. Deuteronomy 19, 1 through 4. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God hath given thee, and thou succeedest them, and dwell in their cities and in their houses. This is a time of life for the nation of Israel that was the most dangerous. Think about that. The most <clears throat> dangerous is when everything is going well. That's the most dangerous part of your life, when everything is going well. Why? You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You know, we've just, we finally made it. We have a little bit of financial security. I finally made it in my position, in my job. I finally made it, you know, in whatever circumstance, I, I, things are going well. And this is the warning to the nation of Israel. When you go into a, a, this land and you finally secure it, now we're talking about tremendous battles to secure it, tremendous losses to secure it. We're talking about tremendous hardships to secure it. Though the Lord used them mightily, God went before them. You know, you know the whole story of Israel going in to take the promised land. Trials prior to, trials in it, all these tremendous trials that were going on. When you get there, look please at verse 2. Thou shalt set apart three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess. Thou shalt prepare thee a way and divide the borders of the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit unto thee three parts, and every slayer may flee there. Uh, may flee there. And this is the case of the slayer who shall flee there, that he may live, whosoever killeth his neighbor unintentionally, whom he hateth, uh, not in times past. And the whole context has to do with making sure you set aside a place of refuge for those people who have committed uh, an atrocity of some kind, uh, in, in this case, slaying someone. Other cases may be animals, hurting animals, families, whatever the case may be. Set aside a place where the person can flee to and have refuge. But recognize this, when you get into the land, you need to prepare yourself not only for the good times, but for the bad times that come. Now, you and I cannot run. There's not a place where you and I can run uh, to a city of refuge. But we can run to the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can go directly to him. And the, the most vulnerable part of our life is to prepare for the bad times. Listen, anyone can act spiritual when everything's going okay. Anyone can speak up when everything's going okay. But the man or woman of God has to be recognized and realize that when the, when the tough times come, that's when God wants to be seen the brightest. When the difficult times in my life come, so that people can see Christ in me, the hope of glory, not only the church, but unsaved people. If I'm complaining to my friends at work how bad my life is, you think they want your God? No. No. They want stability, and that's what we need to give them, is the stability of the Lord. But first, it has to be in you. You can't say it and not do it, because you are, in fact, a hypocrite, the Scriptures tell us. We need to recognize that God's strength keeps us secure. 
Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 for a moment. <clears throat> now, to have security of mind, to be unshakable, to be fixed, or to be solid, requires biblical wisdom. Wouldn't you agree with that? It requires biblical wisdom. In other words, to know what I'm supposed to do, I need the directions. I, I received something the other day. I went to pick it up. <clears throat> And I went to pick up this package, and, and of course, when you get it, it's all in a box. It all came from China, and there's no directions in the thing. And I'm thinking, I at least need a picture. I need something. I need something to, 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 to know how to put this mess together. And then you start saying, I should have never bought it. What's wrong with me and all this stuff? But realize that in order to know the end of something, you need to know what to do in the beginning of it. And when it comes to spirituality, there's no difference, only on a, on a times 10 higher plane, if you would. To know what to do in spiritual crisis, I need to know what God says prior to the crisis, because it's not time to get ready when you're in it. Okay, we're in Colossians chapter 2. Notice, please, in Colossians 2, look at verse 4 with me, please. <clears throat> For this I say... Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, false reasonings. People are going to come along and say all kinds of things to you. Have you ever been enticed or beguiled by people with false words? Um, it, it's difficult. Why? Because their purpose is to present the best package they can show. They don't give any of the details. Um, I started reading, and my wife was reading to me some some things about some medical tests. Okay, if you do this, oh, oh, there's, there's results in this direction. If you don't do that, there's results in this direction. But the person presenting it to you doesn't give you all the facts all the time. See? They make it sound like it's no problem. Well, it could be a problem, see. And God's word wants us to recognize that, that don't let anyone entice you. Why? I need to go to God. I need to know what he has to say about this situation. Verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet am I now uh, with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. If you have steadfastness, there's going to be order in your life. There's going to be a, a, uh, a steadfastness in faith in Christ that will hold you firm. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And here's the passage I'm interested in rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. In order to know what to do as far as being steadfast, I need to be rooted and grounded in the faith. Again, I repeat to you, if you're not in God's word at least daily, the trials are going to knock you over every time. They're going to knock you over. They're designed by the devil to take you out of circulation with God. This specifically. Every trial that comes has been designed specifically by the devil to knock you down. He knows your weakness. Better than you. Better than you. So we need to fight that. How? By allowing God's word to dwell in me, rich me. So when the devil, via a, a person, a place, a thing, whatever it may be, my own thinking, when something is drawing me away from the word of God, God's word through the spirit of God will say to you, that's not what you should be doing. I won't have you turn there, but in the book of Romans, chapter 14, 
At the end of that chapter, Paul's talking to Christians about what they should participate in and what they shouldn't participate in. And he says to them, um, essentially this, and this is the Krosic translation of that. If you have doubt, don't do it. If you have doubt about something, don't do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't research it later on and, and, and say, okay, now I understand. But if you have doubt about something, don't do it. I was reading something by Donald Gray Barnhouse. He said this. Some have just enough Christianity to be miserable in a nightclub and not enough to be happy in prayer meeting. Some Christians have just enough Christianity to be miserable in a nightclub and not enough to be happy in a prayer meeting. Talking about our spiritual strength. Realize, realize that these things are going to come our way and I need God's information so I can deal with it. I need the instruction booklet. So when I put this thing together, I'll know where every nut and bolt goes in my life. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Hopefully this is the right one in the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6. What is the faith of the word of God? Well, God tells us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6... <clears throat> That it's an anchor to the soul. An anchor to the soul. Hebrews chapter 6. Look at uh, verse uh, 17 with me, please. Hebrews 6, 17. Wherefore, God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So God gave Israel his word. Gave God, Israel, his promises gave Israel his covenants, just like he gives us his word and his promises to us as New Testament Christians. And how did he do it? He said, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Essentially, God swore by himself through his word what he was going to do. And I can have confidence in his word because God cannot lie, will not lie, does not lie. God is always truth. His word is truth. I can rely upon his word. Now verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, the, uh, enter in, into that within the veil. Recognizing that God's word is locked in God. And I can trust him, I can believe him. And it goes directly into the throne room of God. So his word is my refuge, my strength. I can rely upon him every second. But I have to know it. I have to know it. You can't guess at this stuff. I wonder what God wants me to do. It's right here. It's right here. You say, well, he doesn't tell me what car to buy. That's because you want that car. Maybe he's telling you not to buy one at all. I have a friend of the family that was involved in car dealerships, and, and some of the stories he told me about people coming in to buy cars, they weren't paying their electric bills, they weren't paying any kinds of bills at all, but they were in there getting this multi-thousand-dollar car. It's frightening. Some people, they want something, so they fix themselves about it. They, they head for it. Instead of saying, God, do you really want me to have this thing? Can, can I afford this thing? 
Should I go to that place? Will that pull me in that direction? Should I participate in this? What, what's this going to do in the end of it? And, and God will reveal that to you through his word. And that's why it's so important that we plug ourselves into the word of God and make sure that if someone cuts us with an, a, a knife, I read we, we bleed Bible. So that I'm prepared for every part of, of life. It's an anchor to the soul. It sets me firm in the face of adversity. Steadfastness is needed to hold fast our profession of faith. I want to live for the Lord so unregenerate, unsaved people see Christ in me. Head with me to Hebrews chapter 10. You're very familiar with this passage. And look at verse 23. Again, steadfastness, spiritual strength. Hebrews 10, look at verse 23. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. See, let us hold fast our profession of faith. I tell people I'm a Christian, then act it. I tell people I'm a Christian, then show it. I, I tell people I'm a Christian, then, then you want to live it, you see. Why? Because that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you can't do that in your own strength, because some days you go to work miserable. Listen, you might not believe this, but I lived in a day where there was no sick leave. I lived in a day when there was no maternity leave. My first job was at $1.62 an hour. An hour! Some of you spend that on the way to work for coffee. <laughs> Listen, things have changed, you see. Things have changed all around us, and we recognize that. We all realize that. But God's word hasn't changed. He still wants us to be strong and steadfast. And if I'm complaining to unregenerated people and then trying to tell them about my Savior, they're going to say, well, I don't need him. <laughs> You're worse off than I am, you see. God wants us to hold our, our, our steadfast faith. Now, you say, well, I haven't always done that. Then confess it. It's just that simple. Make it right with the Lord. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, I don't want to come before you and say, well, I always do this, I always do that. No, 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 no. We all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fail at times. That's why God has allowed us confession of sin, get it made right, start walking with the Lord. You say, well, I was a hypocrite to those people. Then stop being one and start going, doing the right thing. It's just that simple. They'll never forgive me. So what? God has. That's what you need to do. You need to just press forward in that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Again, a passage you probably know well. This passage sort of hits you right between the eyes as a man. At least for me it does. I don't know about you. You'll have to decide once you read it. But in 1 Corinthians 16, look at verse 13. He tells the Corinthian church. Now, if you read back in the Corinthian church, they were a good example of a bad example. They were really a mess. And so Paul, everything in 1 Corinthians, Paul's correcting something concerning this matter. Concerning it. It's been told to me by the house of Chloe that this is going on, and I believe it. That's what he says. So now at the end of this letter, he says this. Watch. The term watch. W-A-T-C-H. Watch means to be alert, to be... To be uh, Alert to the circumstances around about you. Don't go in there like a loaf of bread. Go in there like a man. Watch. 
Stand fast in the, in the faith. Be alert. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, or really conduct yourself like men. Be strong. Boy, that's a tough verse. That's a tough verse. There's times when you feel like crying, but you shouldn't. There's times when it's going to overwhelm you, but don't let it. There's times when it's going to be very difficult. Look at the end of it, not the beginning of it. Look to the Lord. Be, be, watch. Be steadfast. Stand like men. Conduct yourself like a man. That's what you are. You're a man. Grow up. Act it. Do it. Why? Because God says, I'll give you the strength. You can't do it in your own strength. The best of men are only men at their best. But a spiritual man, you see. Listen, holiness is not exempt from conflict. G. Campbell Morgan wrote this. Holiness is not exempt from conflict, but it's victorious through the conflict. Steadfastness, being victorious through the conflict. It's going to come. Conflicts are going to come. In this world, you shall have conflict, tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Where's your strength? It's always in him. Always in him, continually. You know, there's so many voices out there. There's so many problems out there in the world. There's so many people saying so many different things. Some, some good, obviously, but some not so good. That God wants us to make sure that we're discerning between these voices. And only God's word can do that. We talked about this a little bit, but I'd like to look at it a little bit more. Turn with me to Philippians for a moment. The book of Philippians, chapter 1. But realize that we need to discern between the good and the evil. The trouble is, we don't want to pick out just the good. We want to pick out the best. Spiritual discernment, steadfastness in the Lord requires not picking out the good, but the best. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 4, if you would. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8. For God is my witness, how greatly I longed after you all in the tender mercies of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love, Christian love, may abound yet more and more in all knowledge and in all judgment, all knowledge, all wisdom. So that when something comes along in my life, I know what God says and I, in, and I interact with that situation based upon what God said. I use my, God's wisdom and God's knowledge through me, through the Spirit of God, to face the situation. He says, notice in verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent. See, it's not the, just the good things. We have all kinds of choices in life. You know, uh, this would be okay, this would be okay. No, God wants us to make sure we're choosing the excellent things. The things that will build me up spiritually. The things that will make me more solid in Him. The things that will encourage me the most. That's what I'm to choose. Why? Because the end of it all, I'm going to appear before Him. And the end of it all, I'm going to be in eternity with Him. That vacation's only going to last a week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is. That vacation's only going to last so long, but I'm with God forever after, after this life. That's why I need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because I know that my labor is not in vain in the Lord. I need to focus on 
on him to choose the excellent, if you would. First Thessalonians chapter 5. You know these passages so well. I'm, I just hope that I'm not <clears throat> making them boring to you. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, God wants us to hold on to the good things, the excellent things, and hold off the bad things. And, and this is brought forth in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look with me please at verse 21 of 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this, prove all things, put them to the test. What test? God's word, not your test. I can convince myself of a lot of things. Can you? I can convince myself of a lot of things. Ah, this really isn't that bad for you. It really doesn't cost that much. It really doesn't take that much time. You know, whatever I want, whatever my flesh wants, I can convince myself very quickly that it would be right for me. But God calls on us, you and I, to prove all things, to hold fast that which is good, you see. Put everything to the test. What test? God's test, not my test. <laughs> my test is subject to my flesh, but God's test is subject to his word through his spirit. Put everything to the test. Hold on to the good things. And essentially, in verse 22, abstain or hold off all appearance of evil. Hold off the bad things. Hold on to the good things. Now, how does this happen? It takes spiritual discernment. How do I get that? Well, you go to the hardware store and you buy a bucket of it. It comes in five-gallon buckets, nice little lid on them. No. The only way you can have spiritual strength is through God's word. It can't be bought. And can I say this with all kindness? I mean, I was on the radio for years. It doesn't come through your radio. They can, if they're good people, there's so many bad people it's hard to describe, but if they're good people, they'll be an index finger pointing to where the strength is. Your strength is not in those people. If they're good men of God, they'll point to the Bible. If they're not good men of God, then they're pointing to their pocketbook. But understand, true spiritual strength cannot be purchased. It can't be heard through someone else. It can only be metabolized through the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. The Berean Christians, they receive the Word with all readiness of mind and then search the Scriptures to see if those things are so. They verify through the word of God. Steadfastness requires action. It does. I read something uh, Dr. Bob Jones said, one of them, junior, senior, first, second, third, fifth, I don't know which one he said. <laughs> Dedication is often marked not by great stimulation or by great emotion, but by great weariness. Let me read that again. Dedication is often marked not by great stimulation or by great emotion, but by great weariness. If you're steadfast in the Lord, you're going to serve him. You're going to serve him. And when you serve the Lord, you're going to get tired. This last week, we had people dragging their chins all over the floor around here. It was a busy week, hard week. It started six months ago. By the time we get all the junk put away, we'll be taking out more junk for next year. You know, that type of thing. 
Listen, it's a lot of work to do that, but that's steadfastness. Why do we do that? Oh, well, so the kids will have a great time. Well, that, that's, that's like a piece of the pie, but it's not the pie. It's so they'll hear about Christ, and they might believe and have eternal life in him. So there's weariness in that. There's weariness in study. There's weariness in reading. There's a weariness in, in, in living for Christ sometimes, but that's our flesh. But when I'm walking with the Lord, he empowers me, and, and that weariness is in dedication to him. Just, if, if I may, just take a minute, please, and look at a couple of uh, passages where my steadfastness, your steadfastness, gives the body of Christ a solidity. I see you being steadfast, and I think, I, I can do that. I can do that. God has given him or her the strength to be able to press onward, and I can do that. I see God working in them. I want him to work in me. Turn with me, please, to, to uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. There's a couple of examples there. I think of Joshua. <clears throat> it's not our passage we're looking at. <clears throat> Joshua lets the children of Israel know that they need to cling unto the Lord. They need to stay strong in the Lord. And the reason they do is because Joshua said, I'm going to die. He said, choose you this day what is the best. Whether the world and the, 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 the pagans are the best or whether God's the best, you decide that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And his steadfastness, you read the end of the book of Joshua, it says the elders who outlived Joshua were faithful to the God to the end. See, our steadfastness is an encouragement to others. If they see someone weak, someone floundering, someone whining, someone always upset, there's no strength in that. You know that. It's true in your house, right, men? A mist in a man becomes a fog in a woman. You need to stay strong in your household. You need to make sure that you're a good example to your kids and to your wife. Why? Because that either multiplies or it diminishes quickly, dependent upon your strength. You need to be a man of God. Watch. Stand fast. We're in 2 Kings chapter 22. <clears throat> Look, please, at verses 1 and 2. This is King Josiah. Josiah lived during a difficult time with uh, difficult circumstances. <clears throat> Josiah was eight year old, years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. Stop there. Skip down to verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. He turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. It all comes down to that in our lives. Are you going to turn aside? If you turn away from God's word, you've left your steadfastness. If you're always turning away from God's word, maybe you better examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Paul warns of that, does he not? He warns of that. And if you've, you know you're saved, you know you're born again, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then you need spiritual strength, and it can only come from this book. 
It can only come through this book. It can only come by the Spirit of God working in a man or woman of God. Confess your sins. Read God's Word. Submit to God's Word. Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for your strength, for your wisdom. Thank you, Father, that we can be strengthened with all might by the Spirit in the inner man. We just praise you, Father, because we don't have to rely upon ourselves. My flesh is weak. My mind at times is weak. I I realize, Lord, that I'm not what I used to be, but I thank you, Father, I'm not what I'm going to be. So I pray, Father, you would help me, help each one of my brethren in here this morning, that they would see their own spiritual and physical weakness, and that we might be steadfast in you. We might be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and putting on the whole armor of God. Father, we want to be strengthened with all might by your spirit in the inner man. We cannot say that enough. We will not say that enough. We just need to submit to it. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Maybe everything I've said sounds reasonable. It might sound extreme, or even in some it might sound ridiculous, but may each person in this room uh, recognize that one day they will stand before you. One day they will give account for the things done in their body. And for those who do not believe the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, one day they'll open their eyes in eternal hellfire. I pray, Father, that you'd convict of sin and righteousness and a judgment to come through your word. We pray, Father, that perhaps there's one in this room this morning that would recognize that Christ paid the price for their sin on Calvary's cross, that they need not enter eternal damnation, but can have eternal life through him, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.